Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of Radio Astronomy. The planetarium at Bristol's Really Curious Science Centre is the UK's only 3D planetarium and hosts a variety of shows revealing the wonders of space. In this episode, BBC Sky Night magazine editor Chris Bramley chats to the planetarium team about their latest show and gets their thoughts on the possibility of life existing beyond Earth. So I'm joined in the studio today by uh, Paul Cornish and Anna Henley, both on the planetarium team at We The Curious, um, the science centre on Bristol's Harbourside. Guys, thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. Oh, thank thank you you very much for inviting us. So the planetarium at at We The Curious is a a bit of a one-off. Tell me, what's what's unique about it? Uh, So we're the only 3D dome in the UK, um, so most other domes, you, you don't get the 3D glasses when you go in. So that really allows us to kind of give you that sensation of you're actually traveling through space, you're actually there. So I think that's what makes us so special. And it's not just a gimmick either. We're, in a lot of our shows, we use the 3D as an educational tool. Right. And there's, there's one bit in one of our shows where we show how a comet leaves a trail of debris behind itself. And then we show how the orbit of planet Earth takes it through that trail. And the way we've realized it, we couldn't do it in 2D. It really sort of brings home the concept in 3D. So, uh, yeah, it's not just a a gimmick. It's something that we've really made use of. Yeah. Yeah. So these are these are. 3D glasses, as you would get in, and say an IMAX, or you know, going to see a 3D film in the, yeah, in the cinema, yeah. that kind of thing. So uh, it's a particular kind of 3D called um, active stereo 3D. Right. So it's a little bit different from the red green glasses you'd get, or the polarizing glasses that you get. So the way that it works is we've got um, our projectors that are projecting two different images, one after the other, at 120 frames per second. Right. One left eye image and one right eye image, and then your glasses have these little. Um, sort of LCD screens that flicker on and off in sync with those. So what's really? actually happening is it's blocking one of your eyes, um, but it's happening so fast you can't see it. Right. So your left eye only sees the left eye image and your right eye only sees the right eye image. Goodness. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good. That's, that's fascinating, yeah. So what does that, what does that mean when you're, when you're in, under the dome, when you're watching the show? Um, are you actually, you're actually able to – it's like you want to reach out and touch the objects on the screen. It's amazing how many audience members you see actually reaching out as well. You know, kids <laughs> yeah. and adults, you see their arms go up when you yeah. first see that planet Earth appearing at the start of our shows. And, oh, uh, brilliant. Yeah. 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 And oh, a favourite really of nice. our audiences is always flying into Saturn's rings, isn't it? Yeah. You always see people jumping up out of their seats wow. trying to grab bits yeah. of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, that's quite something because they're really, they're really quite thin, aren't they? Um, well, I can't remember how how wide they are, but they're they're only a couple of, they're a kilometre thin or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so, so there's this sort of analogy that we use in one of our shows, which is if um, if Saturn was the same size as the planetarium, that big silver ball mm. you can see in Millennium Square, uh, the rings would be thinner than a than a sheet of paper. It Goodness. would be about a tenth the size of an A4 wow. printer paper. Yeah, wow, uh, I actually did the maths on that. So. <laughs> <laughs> in one lunch break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that I mean that must take an awful lot of um computing power to create. Have you got like a kind of uh, a massive room somewhere with a with its own yeah. chilling, you know, its own kind of refrigeration. Yeah, we do unit. have a, a a very cold server room right. where um, our 17 <laughs> computers 
um, yeah. are situated. So we've got wow. one main host computer that holds everything together. Yeah. Uh, and then the dome screen is split up into eight sections, and each section has uh, two computers that are rendering mm. the graphics, one mm. for your left eye and one for your right eye. Wow. That's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all that all that power is, is being brought to bear on a new show that you guys have developed. W- what's the new show all about? Life in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> Aliens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So are these are little little green men or is it kind of or well, otherwise? We wanted to do something about aliens because who doesn't like aliens? And mm. Um, mm. so uh, we but we wanted to come at it from a different angle. Yeah. So uh, when we first sat down to talk about it, like we um, we one of the things we took into account was how aliens have been portrayed in popular culture. Mm. And one thing that I kind of noticed was that it's always in terms of what they can give us. It's not term- oh, right. in terms of what we can give them. Sure. Um, so it's always that they are, they are coming as a, as a more advanced yeah. people or an advanced civilization with all this technology. Yeah, and they're, they're either a threat to us or they're giving us something, you know. Um, and even in with it, when they are a threat, you know, in a film like Alien, you've got that big corporation who's sent their android to sort of try and see what we can get out of the mm. alien as well. Mm. Like, mm. Uh, So even if it's not just all Superman, it's still something that we're trying to get something from it. Right. And so one of the things we wanted to do with the show was trying to make the audience have a discussion and think about, uh, you know, are we ready to meet aliens? What can mm. we offer them? Mm. And if they are offering us, if we are expecting aliens to come and solve all our problems, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for our uh, individual freedom and our identity as mm. a species? Mm. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we wanted to make audiences really consider that. Mm, fascinating, fascinating. So, um, how do you how do you develop a story like that? What's the what's the what's the first? Where does the idea initially come from? So, I think the idea for this show initially came from visitor questions. Right, we had loads and loads of visitor questions about um, is there alien life in the universe? Yeah, and then once we decided to make a show about this, we all got together as a team and just had this big brainstorming session where mm. we just laid out everything that we thought was interesting about mm. the search for alien life, mm. Mm. Um, and eventually sort of worked that up into a narrative and started to kind of flesh it out a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, great, that's really good. Okay, um, and then so you're kind of pulling in different different strands there and you know all these kind of things what what um what what's what's the next step then what is this developing the story comes first and then do you kind of see this this bit doesn't work we can't find any <laughs> you know that's going to be way too much or you know there's not enough detail in that area is is that what happens next after you've got the story yeah so i guess we kind of come up with a with an ideal narrative don't we and then mm. My job as the as the person who creates the visuals is to mm. kind of say how much of this is feasible, um, do a little bit of research, see what resources are available. So whether there's mm. um, anything that other planetariums have made that that we could kind of borrow from, or whether there's any resources available from some of the places like the European Southern Observatory or mm. um, that kind of thing, and just what's possible with the software that we've got. Right, right. And that's where Anna's role is really important there because it's all very well for us all to sit in a room together and say, we should do this, we should do that. Yeah. But Anna's the one who's like, actually, we can't do that or 
most of the time Anna finds a way to do it which yes. is yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. amazing yeah. Like, wow. uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so you've got this software is a, is like a kind of is like a a modeling program then you can kind of yeah. wireframe stuff and and is it basically like kind of google sketchup or something like that you can um i guess the thing it's probably most similar to is is a kind of gaming engine something like unity that's used okay. to create a lot of like apps and games and things mm. um so the software is called digistar 6 mm. and it essentially contains a, a model of the of the known universe wow. so it has all the planets it has all the stars that we that we know of mm. and the milky way um and you can place your own models within that virtual space as well right so my job is to position everything as we want it to position and animate the camera fly it through the universe tell it what we want to look at that kind of cool so you do all that work in the planetarium or or uh, most you, of it do you have like a kind of console that you're sitting at under the under the dome or we do have a console in the dome but um mm. one thing about the planetarium is dome time is very precious mm, right so we have a, a really busy schedule of shows we also need to allow time for our presenters to get in there and practice mm. uh, so i have a workstation in the office which i do most of the development from right um so one skill that i had to learn fairly early on is is kind of what what the difference is between the dome view that I have at my desk, which is essentially just a circle that shows you everything that will be shown on the dome mm. and how that looks in the dome. Um, so one of the things that I have to be really careful of is is not making any motion too fast when I'm sat at my desk because something that looks a normal speed on a little circle on a screen, mm. when you then see it on a great big 12-meter dome, it looks incredibly fast. So it's one, right. of, the, one of the things you have to be really careful of is, yeah. is how what you're making in the office is going to translate onto the dome. Sure. And you have like test um, test runs, do you? Do yeah, you several. You test down as things and say, oh my God, that's that's way too fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, or, you know, a lot of the time, you know, I've written like way too much script for this bit. Oh, and, right. and it's a reminder then when we're in the dome testing it out that like the technology is almost like a co-presenter and we can let really? that speak for itself a lot of the time yeah, as yeah. well. Like, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. what's nice about the technology uh, is that we can afford to be quite ambitious with what we want to do with our script because right. Digistar 6 comes with a user interface, like a show builder, but Anna's got the ability to go behind that and, you know, reach parts where other planetariums can't reach kind of thing, yes. you know? Yeah. So yeah. We can, because of Anna's skills, we can afford to be quite ambitious with uh, what we want to do with it. That's like, great. Yeah. That's really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... Um, we were talking about uh, the kind of little little green men side of life mm. in the universe previously, um, and you cover that in the show in some in some quite quite interesting ways, don't you? They have some rather odd UFO sightings that yeah that you've mentioned. There's a story where uh, was it in the sixties? Yeah, I think yeah. it was sixty seven, maybe something like that. So mm. these Air Force students uh, created these fiberglass uh, flying saucers. Yeah. And they put electronic equipment inside them, so they were humming. And they placed them across the south of England. So they were in a line across a map of England. <laughs> and uh, obviously people were baffled by them and yeah. thought they were perhaps UFOs. And when they were drilled into, this black goo squirted oh out. Wow. And it's actually quite lucky that... It wasn't aliens because what the police did apparently when this black goo squirted all over them, they just washed it into the water supply down the, down the drain. <laughs> so if yeah. it was this hideous, you so, know, yeah, so <laughs> kind of life changing, yeah, um, yeah. life changing 
bacteria. There would be like some kind of pandemic or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's lucky, really. Yeah, yeah that's um, right. Yeah. But it was just yeah. rotten flour, apparently, that these students had packed into yeah. it. But, uh, wow. That's yeah. very elaborate, isn't it? So part of the That's show, amazing. we show exactly where these science flying saucers were placed and we show these photographs of these scientists and policemen literally scratching their chins around <laughs> <laughs> flying That's saucers. Nice. Like, uh, okay. That's so cool, yeah. yeah. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, we get we get quite a few um, letters and kind of... Uh, excited phone calls i've just seen something in the night sky can you tell me what it what it is and um you know or letters sending say, very very excited emails saying you know there was this thing i can't i can't describe it it looked completely unusual um and you know eight times out of ten when you send it when they send the the picture in it turns out to be a lens flare or something quite explainable mm. other things like um contrails are often look oh, very yeah. very strange, especially in the evening when they're lit from when the sun's at a low angle and lighting it against clouds further away in the background. Mm-hmm. That can be really confusing for for the eye. Um, but there've been some other really cool things like um, um, when I, I don't know if you've seen it. Um, space when rockets are launched and they they're kind of. Their exhaust plumes often mm. are often illuminated in really odd ways. There was mm-hmm. there was one Russian rocket that misfired and went round in a like a kind of um, <laughs> Catherine wheel, and it made a spiral in the night sky. It was utterly mm-hmm. bizarre. It was, it was so weird. But we we very rarely get kind of thing, things like that in. But it's it's definitely a, a fascinating. Um, area mm. isn't it and, and and so you you get a lot of you get a lot of questions in your other shows about about you know you is it specifically about ufos or or is it more about you know the the kind of life in the universe and and yeah yeah we've um it's part of the exhibition uh we have a, a huge metal cage where uh visitors can hang up their questions and it could be questions about anything, and then yeah. you know there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these little little flaps of paper with questions on, and we've got a team that sort of compiles all these questions and puts them all into a big spreadsheet, oh, cool. and that's something yeah. we can dip into then, right? And genuinely see what people are interested in. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of these space questions do revolve around, yeah, aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So what what's your view? Do you think do you think there's uh, life in the universe? I think certainly simple life. I think mm. it's likely that that exists elsewhere mm. in the universe. Mm. Um, and actually, one of the things we touch on in the show is the fact that we're not just separated by space; we're separated by time as well. Mm. So there could mm. have been other alien civilizations, perhaps even intelligent aliens, that have already existed, lived, and died long mm. before we ever came into being because human beings have only existed for a few hundred thousand years Mm. in the timeline of the universe that's that's no time at all so Mm. i think it's very Mm. likely that there could have been could be other aliens perhaps even intelligent aliens but i think the chances of that of them being 
uh, close enough to us and also close enough to us in time for us mm. to be able to contact them, I think that's probably mm. quite unlikely. Mm. And that in itself is such a mind-blowing thing to get across to audiences. Like our existence is just blink of an eye. Sure, sure, <laughs> in no. the grand scheme of things, yeah, that's you right. know, yeah. our yeah. entire lives are just a speck in a way. Yes, like, you that's know. right. I mean, yeah, I was just going to say, I was just going to take a moment and just try to collect my thoughts after that mind-blowing <laughs> mind <laughs> observation there. Yeah, But it's, it's also about like the, the observable universe as well. So, yeah. um, you know, in, in terms of just space, let alone time, um, we can only see a fraction of of the universe, you know, mm. um, and the the light, you know, the, the light that's traveling to us since the since the Big Bang. So, mm -hmm. you know, and it's always expanding all the time. But you know, there are other pockets in the universe out there that we just will never yeah. will never know about. Mm -hmm. And even like people talk about our radio signals heading mm. into space. And I remember mm. that's one of the first things I learned about. I read it somewhere as a kid. Yeah, like all yeah. all our TV signals are going out into space. Yes. And I think I read somewhere somebody had phrased it like, so if you've been on the telly, you're immortal because your signal is going out <laughs> to amazing. space. Yeah. But yeah. like um, something we touch on in the show is that these radio signals, even though they've gone an incredible distance, mm. Mm. Um, they haven't actually gone that far in the grand scheme of things. They're right. just like a tiny part, a tiny sphere of the Milky Way that they cover. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. So what's your view, Paul? What do you think? Do you think there's... Uh... There's a chance of of life elsewhere. Definitely. But uh, funny enough, I was looking at on Twitter this morning mm. and uh, I didn't read the article in detail, but apparently somebody asked Edward Snowden about oh, right. what he'd found in the CIA. This is the, this is the Wik WikiLeaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, um, chap, yeah. And yeah. apparently, like, he, he had a route around in the CIA computers about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, didn't, and apparently they, he didn't find anything. Like, no, uh, yeah, so... Yeah. That it's just like don't tell him that. You know? Oh goodness <laughs> me! Don't yeah. Tell us that. yeah, you've got to keep this Area Fifty One piece. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so me. I hope that doesn't yeah. cut people off coming to the show. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I think just that just that fact that you know that there is there is that giant you know space is just so unbelievably vast and unknowably vast that you can't ever count it count you know discount the fact, can mm -hmm. you? Mm. Um, but then, alternatively, on the other side, you know, there are quite there are there is a very real possibility that we we are the only the yeah only, the only you know intelligent life out there, isn't, isn't yeah. There? In well, which case, which is just as kind of mind blowing, yeah. Itself, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's um, um, in Brian Cox's latest show. That's something that he mm -hmm. he definitely mm. kind of um, was was kind of pointing out. You know, that there is yeah. that there is that very, very real chance. But we kind of try and put a positive spin on that in our shows. Yeah. Like, we don't want people going away feeling really insignificant. Like, oh, God, what's the point? You know? mm, mm, <laughs> so mm. yeah. so um, one thing a lot of our presenters put into the show is that um, Sagan quote about us being the cosmos's way of knowing itself. And yes, I always yes. really like that because it, it's like our it? job in the universe. We're like the universe's little feelers so we yes. can appreciate its own beauty. And yes. I really like that. The idea that even though we're really small, we've got this function yes. in the grand scheme of it all. That like. is, that's, a real, that's a beautiful way of looking at it, isn't mm. it? It's really, 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 really valuable to, to kind of, Bear that in mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. If ever you start to feel a little, a little yes. small, yeah, you're, you're, you're getting the knowledge in itself is 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 what the universe is all about in a way. Yes, it? definitely. Yeah. Nice.
Very good. Nice thought for a Friday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's, there's other, I mean, we're talking about life in the universe. I mean, um, life on our own doorstep, cosmic doorstep in the solar system is another matter, isn't it? And there are there are some really good contenders for um, for locations where mm. which we which we again we we we're yet to we're yet to explore. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of those is. Uh, do do you cover those in the in the in the show at all? Yeah. So we do. We have a little sequence where we just kind of um, show a few of the places in our solar system that we think could be host to possibly microbial life. Mm. Um, so one of those is is a moon of Saturn it's called Enceladus, mm. which has a, a liquid ocean beneath its surface. It's it's an icy moon. Yeah. Um, but it was recently visited by the space probe Cassini and. Uh, Cassini um, flew through this this plume of of water, um, this giant sort of geyser that was erupting from the surface of Enceladus. And what it found was evidence that there are um, chemicals being produced by these geysers that that could actually sustain microbes. So it's Mm. definitely possible that there could be microbes living um, beside these geysers because we have similar things here on Earth. Yeah, yeah. So I think there is a good chance that there could be simple life elsewhere in our solar system. That's really interesting, mm. isn't it? And, and, and because there are these similar environments and, and locations on, on Earth, it's the kind of thing that we know we know what we're looking for, as it were. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing when, you know, when, we, when, we, when we're looking for life elsewhere in the universe, what I, what I always wonder is why, why are we... You know why? Why are we looking for water? Why are we looking for carbon-based life when it could be anything else? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's kind of like that's the that's the most obvious thing to tick off the list first. Mm-hmm. You know, have a look for that first. If it's if it turns out not to be the case, then we look for weird other life, yeah. like yeah. silica or you mm-hmm. know other other you know other kind of um, compounds and and chemicals that make make it up. Yeah. So we don't really know whether all life is is like us, but we know that this is the only example of life that we've got. So yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's a good starting place for yeah, us exactly, to look exactly, for the things yeah. that we know that we need for life. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's entirely possible that other life yeah. forms could have completely different needs from, from us. Yeah, so yeah, we're yeah. quite limited by what we know, basically. Yeah. yeah. But that's something what we really emphasise in the shows is mm. that all our work, you know, the humanities work, looking out into space is really using what we know, basing it, you yes. know, our our own species in our own world as a starting point. Yes. And then uh, that's our sort of basis of comparison with everything. Yes. Like, and so we talk about our own world a lot in our shows as well. Right. Like, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I didn't realize, you know, just some of the extreme conditions that you can get life here on Earth. Right, like, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So like yeah. In, like these huge geysers, boiling hot geysers you get on Earth deep underground and mm, there's examples mm. of life there. So mm. why and, not on Enceladus? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. And um, what? so what about Mars then? That's been the kind of the go-to location for searching for life for um, 40, 50 years now. What? What are, and we're still going back there. What? Why do we still keep going back if if we've still we've yet to find anything there? Well, I think the thing about Mars is it's it's probably the planet that's most similar to our own Earth mm. in our solar system, mm. and we do think that in its past it was much more like the Earth. So it used to have a, a much thicker atmosphere. Um, it probably had an ocean that covered most of the surface. Um, mm. So that makes it more likely that life existed there in the past. 
And also, it could be that some of that life has survived. We have now found evidence of, of flowing water on, on Mars. So on the side of craters, there is liquid that sort of uh, flows down the side of these craters that changes mm. with the seasons. So mm. again, wherever we see water, that's a good indication that there could possibly be life there. Great. Oh, that's good. And so we, we've got a couple of um, uh, missions going back to Mars next year, I think, um, the Mars 2020 rover mm. um, uh, from ESA. Um, and they say, I think there's even going to be a, a, a helicopter Oh wow! To yes, Mars. NASA is developing NASA one, that isn't it? Yeah. Uh, um, as well. So that's and that's going to go to the parts that rovers cannot reach, <laughs> 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 which is really cool. So I mean, you know, broadening broadening the the search, broadening the chances of uh, of finding finding life. One of the ways we describe Mars, not just in the planetarium, but when we're talking to visitors on the mm. exhibition floor, is. Uh, we describe it as a, a planet populated entirely by robots, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah, it kind yeah. of is, you know. Um, really, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, that's right. And it's circled by by robots as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's quite, yeah. there's quite a lot of activity going mm. on there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, how fascinating! So, is this the f- is this the first show you guys have developed, or have you have you done others? No. So um, we've developed quite a quite a large program of shows so we have um a show for every seasonal season uh, mm. these are our seasonal stargazing shows we've got summer autumn winter and spring uh, we've got exploring the galaxy which is all about how you use light to understand our universe better and mm. um, we've got a couple of under sixes shows as well so we've got space explorers and we've got rocket ship adventure um wow. yeah do do let me know if I'm missing anything out there. Um, no, no, I, uh, I'm a big fan of the Under Sixes shows. I mean, they're all great, I think. But yeah, um, yeah. I love the Under Sixes shows. Yeah. Um, Space Explorers, uh, we uh, little kids can go to uh, planets of their choice mm-hmm. and uh, they can go to the moon and they seem to really love the moon. So they, so and, you, get, you, you ask them where they, yeah. where they want to go? Oh, yeah, wow. and like right. audience interaction is a big part of loads of our right. shows and yeah. especially the Under yeah. Six ones where yeah. we present the choice to the kids uh, which Brilliant. planet do you want to go to <laughs> and uh, and then we even give show them some deep sky objects at the end like sure. and um, yeah. Yeah, and yeah my my niece actually was uh, uh was in there and she's only two but she chose oh, well. black, she chose black hole oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah i think that's one of the great things about uh, about our system is the yeah. fact that it is a, a real-time system so you can choose right there and then with your audience where mm. you want to go. Mm. And we really utilise this in an, another one of our shows that I didn't mention called Solar System Odyssey. Mm. Right. Um, so the visitors at the start, they get a choice of which mission they want to do, whether they want to go on the grand tour and see lots of amazing tourist destinations in the solar system or whether they want to do uh, want to be a future scientist and show some of the places that we will want to vis- visit in the future to do science there mm. and then they've got a choice of which destinations they want to visit and it's entirely up to the audience where they go and what they see wow, during that show yeah yeah mm-hmm. and we use that in life in the universe as mm. well to get that discussion going that mm. i mentioned at the start of the show as well the end of the show we say aliens have come you guys the un they want to help us with climate change. Do we accept or decline? And there are several different endings to the show then, right. depending on what the audience choose. Oh, wow. That's, really, so, that's fascinating. Yeah, that's really good. And, of course, there's an opportunity halfway through the show as well that Anna's designed where uh, the audience can design their own exoplanet as well. Wow. Which is uh, pretty cool. And, yeah. again, we're emphasizing that idea that what we know about exoplanets is based on what we know of Earth. Mm. So, mm. um 
uh, and what we know of planets in our own solar system. Mm. So Anna's devised a way where audiences fill in a form before the show where they can decide how far away from the sun they want the planet and right. uh, how big it, it's going to be and how long it takes to go around the, the sun. Brilliant. And then it actually, the, our technology just creates it on the fly in the middle of the show then. Wow. Like, uh, and the audience can name it as well. We haven't had any Planet yeah. E McPlanet face. No. Yet, <laughs> <laughs> we're hoping yeah. for one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we're going to get lots of those now. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are you, yeah. Or you could, you should like tell people to come along to a show with a, with a little pocketbook of um, mythical beasts from yes. various yeah, uh, yeah. civilizations, <laughs> uh, civilizations folklore, shouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a pretty, un- it's a pretty unusual and, and unique place. The the planetarium being inside it, it's 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 quite unlike a a, a cinema, um, as it were. Do, do do audiences respond in a in a certain way to kind of being being in the in the planetarium? Do they do do you, you know when they first go in? Do 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 they kind of say? Certain things or do react in a certain way. It always amazes me how many people don't realise they're in the big silver ball. Oh right! Like, <laughs> like so, they've seen the big silver ball on Millennium Square. Yes, and they think it's some kind of art installation. Wasn't it relative of yours? Well, uh, talked about. Oh, you've got to go and see that big mirror in uh, yeah, Millennium yeah. Square. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they think it's just like a solid object. So there's nothing actually yeah, going yeah. on inside. Right? And then yeah, we right. say at the start of our shows yeah. that you are inside that big silver ball, and you see people in the audience going, "Oh, oh, wow!" Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Well, I think. Yeah. Um, Definitely the first time that we sort of display the stars to them, that always mm. does get a really big mm. wow, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Or the first yeah. time that you take off from Earth and you really get that 3D effect, that always wow. gets yeah, a yeah. big reaction as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's always really satisfying that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and really Saturn's good. rings, you mentioned earlier. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. People yeah. people love Saturn's rings, which oh, is yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. So Life in the Universe and other shows are on at We the Curious Planetarium. Um, visit wethecurious.org to find out more. Guys, thank you very much for coming in and talking to us today. Thank you. Thanks, Avenge <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Radio Astronomy Podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Bateman and Ben Hewitt. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to iTunes, Acast or Spotify. <laughs>